Greetings, and welcome to Terrible Reviews, a podcast that will discuss some of our favorite movies, but likely won't teach you anything new about them. I want to make it clear that the movies aren't necessarily terrible, but the reviews will be. I'm your host, Seth Hancock. I wanted to create this podcast because I love movies. I was raised on them. My brother and sister were so much older than me that they both had moved out of the house by the time I was six. Like a lot of parents who wanted free time and wanted to pretend they were already empty nesters, they often sat me in front of the big screen babysitter in our living room or basement. It was the 90s and cable and premium cable channels were at my disposal. We had five different places we could rent movies from, including our neighborhood grocery store. Over the years, I've learned to love bad movies as much as good movies and everything in between. The only thing I ask for is it never be boring. So the inspiration for this podcast is both a blessing and a curse. Of course, being a movie lover and someone who wants to make a podcast is that uh, it isn't an underserved market. There are several great movie podcasts already, and I want to do something a little different. Uh, But we have to acknowledge that we aren't exactly breaking any new ground here. Uh, Many have come before and led the way to prove that this concept can work. I'm a big fan of podcasts like How Did This Get Made, Unspooled, The Rewatchables, Dog Loves Movies, P.S. I Hate This Movie, Never Seen It, Best Bad Movie Ever, and The Flophouse. So if you listen to them, don't stop. Just subscribe to us uh, and add us to the queue. Uh, You might like us. Uh, So now that you guys know me, know what's going on here, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Michael Bragg. He is the co-host of the LEO podcast, a podcast about IU football, of all things. And, uh, you know, pretty much the only other person I know willing to split the workload of creating a movie podcast with me. So let's let him say hi and uh, tell us just how excited he is to, <laughs> to be joining us. What's up, everybody? Um, I don't have the, uh, the bad movie experiences that Seth does, I don't think. So it'll be fun for me to um, catch up on a couple of these um, along the way as we're doing it. Uh, speaking of movies, which one awesome. are we doing today? We are doing Tommy Boy. Now, Tommy Boy uh, was released in March 31st, 1995, directed by Peter Siegel uh, of <laughs> noted directorial fame of Naked Gun 33 and a Third and Anger Management, two just absolutely goofy uh, comedies I grew up on as a kid. Uh, not sure either one of them are great, but <laughs> certainly provided plenty of entertainment. Uh, producer Lauren Michaels, who has produced pretty much every decent comedy since 1990 and pretty much most of the meh comedies since about 1992. Uh, writers are Bonnie and Terry Turner, who are pretty much writing comedic uh, royalty in my in my household since they are responsible for Wayne's World, Coneheads, Wayne's World 2, which is a little less royalty level, but still pretty pretty damn good. You know, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, anything. I'll stop with the suburbs. Okay, oh. I'm not from Chicago. I won't adopt a Chicago accent at any point during this podcast or any other subsequent podcast, I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, Third Rock from the Sun, that 70s show. So they're responsible for, you know, a lot of wasted hours, um, literally and figuratively during my during my youth. Uh, so that's that's awesome uh, to have you know to have them responsible for this movie uh, casting couch. So one of the one of the topics we're going to get into, obviously, who's in it top build is Chris Farley and David Spade. I'm sure we're going to talk about plenty of talk about them plenty as we move forward. Uh, some interesting familiar faces in this movie. Some that I was aware of before this movie. Some 
not so much. <laughs> um, but Brian Dennehy, who I um, brag in, this might be a sensitive subject for you, but mm -hmm. my favorite version of him is, is Bobby Knight on season in a season on the brink. Uh, is that a pro IU movie? Can you remind me? Is that does that paint IU in a positive light? It doesn't paint Robert Montgomery Knight in the most positive <laughs> light at all, really. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I remember him from too. I just uh, I can't remember. Is there a scene in that where they show the impressions of the chokehold on Neil Reed's neck, or is that alleged, no? I, I, alleged, that might have been edited out. Alleged chokehold. Alleged. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody at the buffet saw it. So. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to produce some witness lists. That might be a different podcast we get into later. Um, but let's stick to movies now. All right. Season on the Brink, Brian Dennehy. Um, also, Bo Derek. Um, so this, um, I, I got to ask you the question. Did you even know? I, I'll admit before, before you have to, I'll admit first. But did you even know who Bo Derek was? No idea. I, and this is going to sound bad in 2021, but I thought for sure that was a dude. <laughs> um, so i had to look up i was like i don't remember another guy doing anything in this movie so i look up bo derrick and did, did rob lowe have a pseudonym that i was unaware of i know he's uncredited so uncredited, clearly he must yeah. be bo derrick yeah uh, i guess, no. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> before he was rob lowe yeah uh yeah, no I... now we went back and or i went back sorry i went back and took a look at what she's done and um yeah still didn't know who the hell she was outside of uh some sharknado she appears to be the Sharknado queen. Okay, um, that's news to me. I'm I just aware of the bikini photos. That was um, apparently I was, you know, I was supposed to be aware of at least um, her standing with those with those. I called them dreadlocks, but apparently they're braids. braids Thank you, the Serena braids. Williams braids um, in a bikini or a swimsuit. I don't know. It's a vague recollection of a childhood fantasy. I'm sure somewhere out there. Um, yeah, so I had no idea who she was. I mean, she definitely plays the role here. Uh, interesting, but um, yeah, just she was new new to me, that's for sure. Um, Dan Aykroyd, another familiar face. Uh, two of my favorite roles of his, obviously Ghostbusters, and uh, I'm going to squeak in a, a secret, you know, silent but deadly role in a Celtic Pride. That might be a oh. cult favorite of mine. Yeah, Probably nobody yeah, else. Yeah. Nobody has any reason to watch. What was that noise? Was that your dog? No. You said Celtic Pride, and it sounded like I don't know <laughs> what was going on. Was that was that that's the Damon Williams, right? Where he's uh Damon we Damon Wayans vehicle. Damon Wayans. Yeah. Damon Wayans. And Daniel right. Stern was was still a, a Hollywood leading man material, or that's at least right. a co-star. Didn't he play he played did the they, jazz? Did play the jazz? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And he yeah, was the, uh, Betting against, betting forms against himself. I can't remember what that's all about. Yeah. We'll do the movie. Trust me, you'll have to learn it. We can we can skip over it for now though. <laughs> uh, and then Rob Lowe, like I said, uncredited, another familiar face from uh, Wayne's Oat. World and Parks and Rec. Uh, Pawnee, Indiana's finest. Hot take, real quick. This is gonna oh, piss some people off. Uh, best actor in the movie. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, I am. This is me not objecting. This is me not arguing. Um, this is my therapist saying that I am growing here by accepting the opinions of others. As you're throwing uh, up double birds in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silent but deadly. There we go. Yeah, as long as they don't know it, doesn't hurt them. All right, so I'm going to provide a nice little terrible synopsis here. Um, you know, tried not to steal this from IMDb. 
try to put my own little spin on it here. Um, but here's my elevator pitch. After the sudden death of his tycoon father, Tommy must overcome his own shortcomings to sell, to sell enough brake pads to save his father's highly leveraged auto parts factory from the bank, the competitors, and his stepmother. If that's you read that's that spot on, me. right? Yeah. But if you, if you read that to me without me ever seeing this movie before, I would have told you to go bleep yourself. I'm not watching... Oh, it sounds like a drama, right? I mean, it sounds yeah. like uh, like a plotline on a. I don't. I haven't seen Billions, but I assume like Billions or Secession or something like that, right? I, I guess. But then you get brake pads. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you have to throw in brake. Pads. <laughs> like you get so enough brake pads. I'm like, man, like it sounds intense for like the first five <laughs> words, and then you're like, so enough brake pads, and I'm After like, the sudden mm, death of his tycoon father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's pretty spot on though pretty spot on all right so let's go ahead and foreshadow this movie we'll talk about our thoughts before we actually uh, dive into the viewing um so my memories of this was it is an a plus home run 10 out of 10 um we are going to make a running joke of having absolutely nonsensical rating mechanisms so that's my kickoff i gave it three different ratings for no reason um one of being a home run i could have called it a grand slam i don't know why i downgraded it um because it was a grand slam um but that's that's gonna be my yeah it's a fate complete here like everybody knows it's, this is gonna be my ranking at the end of it too um but let's go ahead and pretend like we're being objectionable here um a plus home run 10 out of 10 what about you brad well this is where i get to play my role as the villain i guess so my pre-watch movie grade uh was a c actually um from wow. what I remember, okay it's been okay. probably 15 years since i've watched the movie all the way through what have so, you been doing with your life <laughs> doing other <laughs> things other than sitting around watching movies but um there is no there is no other things as a father <laughs> and a husband i'm telling you right. there are there are no other things <laughs> so what i remember it as is like that like classic like summertime it's raining you're in middle school so you can't like go anywhere I'm reading you're this like a one step above punishment. That I mean, that's how I'm reading this. <laughs> kind of. So you're like stuck inside <laughs> and like you're just going through the channels and like bam, the TV Guide channel says that it's on Comedy Central and Airheads is coming on next. So you're going to watch this movie just to get to Airheads. And of course, yeah. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say you made it a double feature. You're saying it's a sacrificial lamp. Okay. So wow. that's what I remember about the movie. Yeah. Well, I hope you we'll find see... a co-host for the Airheads version of uh, <laughs> <laughs> the podcast episode that we do Airheads. Awesome. <laughs> we'll see what we think. Uh, see what I think after the movie. We'll get there at some point. All right. I hope, I hope your mind was, I hope your mind and your heart was changed. All right. So one of the other things I wanted to do was uh, just talk about a couple of key memories I had about this movie, because uh, obviously 1995 was when it came out. I was born in 85. Brag, you're a you're a little bit younger, uh, a little bit younger than me, but I'm sure the uh, similar experience, similar age range. So I was nine uh, when this movie came out, uh, a young a young buck, uh, 19. 95 pg-13 so for me i had to be uh <laughs> accompanied by my by my parents to see this one that was a wonderful little treat in valparaiso indiana um but it it came out like i said i think it was march 31st so uh, my family was in town for easter and this was the this is how we decided to bond uh, everyone came back and and we went to go see tommy boy 
And I remember sitting in the theater and again, uh, my lack of content of of context nine-year-old brain uh, still managed to find this movie to be absolutely hilarious and to the point where uh, the boys are yelling and heckling Tommy on the dinghy and uh, <laughs> and, and Michelle Brock stands up and she yells you know I, I've seen where you live and I know where you sleep and uh, and I just laughed so hard at that entire thing and uh, especially at the, the other part with the, the sales as limp as your dick. And uh, I laughed so hard. My mom became so embarrassed that she ushered me out of the theater. Um, thankfully, we never had to have a conversation about how I understood what that joke meant or if I even knew what that joke meant. But contextually, I thought it was funny at the time and, my, uh, and I had to be removed. So once I knew that it was so funny that it was, uh, I had to be taken out of the theater, that was, I was hooked. So it was going to be an A plus for the rest of my life just from that kind of story alone. Um, and then again, like I mentioned, um, Blockbuster was like the place to go when you were a kid, uh, small town Indiana, that was like the place to go. And you'd always see like, who's gonna be hooking up when you'd see like the guy in a letterman's jacket and the girl in a letterman's jacket picking on a movie together. Like, oh, apparently he's trying to get, you know. Uh, so that was where yeah. you'd always find the scoop on, on who was dating who. And uh, I always remember that like in Valparaiso, renting the vhs for tommy boy was like the most coveted you had to be on wait list occasionally like it was it was it was a task a lot of times um so um and i definitely think it was probably the and i was probably mostly responsible for that because i think it was the most rented movie i certainly had as a kid and uh yeah so i was probably a, a big reason why <laughs> that, that movie was never in stock so i apologize to the people of valparaiso indiana in the in the mm -hmm. mid to late 90s that uh they may not have been able to enjoy this movie as much as they could have, mostly because of me. So I apologize to everybody. Well, had I known that this is like your life changing movie, maybe I would have taken uh, a little bit higher grade to start with. So I didn't just ruin your attitude right at the very beginning. No, I want you to be honest. That's that's what I expect from you here. OK, I mean, there's right. no like, no personal significance of this movie to me. None. Is this I podcast going to turn into you apologizing me to? apologizing to me too is this is this where we're gonna be just the i'm sorry podcast no it'll be okay right. we'll get don't there. it's gonna take a lot more than that to hurt my feelings alex and if i want i'm gonna convince you that it's the best movie ever made by the end of this so i mean be open-minded that's all i'm asking all right we'll see all right uh a couple other funny well this is maybe funny to nobody else but me but uh so like this is my go-to movie anytime i'm having a bad day if i want to laugh and uh, also the movie I've watched during the results of the last two elections. Um, so as those results are coming in, um, you know, as Arizona is deciding whether or not they <laughs> they have a soul as a state, uh, yeah, I, I decided to opt out and watch Tommy Boy. So that was my that was my little escape mechanism. It was terrifying once you turned the news back on uh, in 2016. Uh, in 2020, it was also terrifying because what we knew that it was at least another week before <laughs> yeah. before we had any idea what was going on. Yeah, I hear you. So I would have burned whatever you watched it on VHS DVD after 2016 because I'm just <laughs> I'm way too super superstitious to be like I'm I'm never going to watch that movie again. But this is not this is not a political podcast. So. Um, it's not keep well, it can be i mean no okay all right it won't i'm be. gonna it keep my be. thoughts to myself <laughs> you you'll you'll slip them in wherever you can but I'll, I'll stay here 
So, okay. So that's how we thought about the movie going in. Um, now that we, you know, obviously we took a time. I took it and watched it last night. You watched it a couple of nights ago. Uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully you had an open mind and you're ready to to get on board with the, this is amazing train with me. Uh, all aboard, chugga, chugga, choo, choo. No, not even a boiler up. No, you can't acknowledge it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so some of the cliches that went into this movie, I think that are worth mentioning. So I just wanted to highlight um, what apparently one of the, the the main one here obviously is a mismatch buddy comedy uh the david spade and chris farley characters um it's a hollywood archetype that we've seen a million times and apparently this podcast is turning into a mismatch buddy comedy as well um well maybe not the comedy part so much maybe only you and i all think it's funny but um but certainly the mismatch buddy that it's it's obviously the driving force of the movie so so we can't just uh just ignore that yeah, for sure. So that's that's what I picked too. I picked the mismatch buddies. Um, you know, see the fat guy in the little coat, and it's a perfect <laughs> on here. So, uh, do you think that that helps or hurts the movie? Oh, it helps. I mean, that's I mean that's what you're signing on for the the idea that you're going on the adventure with these two guys who, uh, in most concepts, uh, would absolutely hate this adventure. So I think that's really what we're on the we're going on this ride for is to see how these two guys bounce off each other and because we've seen them on SNL, we know how they interact. We know that they kind of uh, really go well together. And well, I should say, at least up until now, uh, uh, they went really well together. We might talk more about that later. Um, I have some some interesting opinions about that. Um, yeah, so the next one I had, uh, I had several in here and I'll try to go through them because some of these are just stupid, but I thought they were kind of funny. Um, fat guy falls down. Um, I think that's one of those Pratt falls where, you know, Belushi, uh, Fatty Arbuckle, it goes back forever. Um, you know, we even have guys doing it these days. Uh, Kevin James, obviously, I think is kind of the new iteration of the fat guy fall down. Um, and Chris Farley kind of owns that and probably is the best guy to ever do that. Um, so it's kind of interesting, though, that it, it undeniably works and it helps this movie. Um, but you can kind of tell as the movie goes on, they, they shy away from that a little bit. And I think it's kind of the evolution that Chris Farley was going for as an actor was trying to get out of that fat guy fall down humor and try to get into a little bit more of the tender, um, you know, kind of. Uh, jokey comedy I think that that was more in his and I think as the movie goes on you see that um, it stops to be such hit yourself in the face kind of humor except for of course and then uh, we'll get into it but then the <laughs> then the airplane scene happens and then it's of course fat guy fall down humor all over again but anyways that's that's my thought um, so I think that helps uh, lovable underdog story I mean this is one that's always in everything uh, you have to have the lovable loser um, and then to go along with that, I think the addition of the Avenge of the Father um, cliche, because Tommy's death, uh, sorry, Big Tom's death, uh, Tommy has to take over as a salesman, and it's the classic quest to fulfill the destiny his father had sought, and it becomes this generational legacy quest. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, I also love the idea of the rich idiot son. Um, again, this is not a political podcast illusion allude away um but yeah the rich idiot son i think it it works most of the time um we've seen pathetic versions of this we've seen funny versions of this i think this is one uh this one really works uh and in that same vein the prodigal son um i want to pronounce that improperly on purpose but i'll go ahead and prodigal prodigal uh, you know and the idea of obviously that he went off to school went to marquette went to the big city of Milwaukee and came back to take over his father's estate, so to speak, you know, for 
if we're kind of running that cliche. So um, I think that's, and the interesting thing is that same year in 95 is when Billy Madison happened. And if you think that's a, you know, that rich idiot son, prodigal son kind of motif um, was really big for me in 1995. Apparently my nine-year-old brain was, uh, was, a, was a big fan of that. Uh, also, we have road trip movies. Uh, road trip movies are awesome. There's so many examples of that. Um, like and that road trip? What? Like oh, yeah. road trip? Euro trip. No, we're not. well, that's not really on the road. You have to fly to get over there if you didn't know. There's that. trains. Scusi, scusi. <laughs> I mean, they're uh, on a bus. They're on a bus for a little bit. Yeah, with uh, what? Vinnie Jones? Is that the I don't know the soccer guys. Come on, man. I don't know okay, all right, all right. Well, it's no, soccer. Manchester United. Sorry. Football. Football. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, femme fatale. That's another favorite one of mine. Bo Derek definitely plays the role of the. The femme fatale and doubles as the wicked stepmother. I think that's a fun one. This is not a Disney movie, but that's a typical one they run. Um, oh God, this is one of my favorites too. And this is one I didn't think of until I saw it. Uh, the idea of the cold open to the movie being a younger version of the main character and then evolves into the adult version um, that, <laughs> oh God, this is gonna sound off, but that little fat kid version of, uh, of Chris Farley, you know, just running into shit and being a fat, slow loser, um, you know, really sets the pace for the movie. <laughs> I don't bash on kids, I'm sorry. Don't, don't say mean things about kids, about, especially about things they can't control. But that fat little kid running into the fence post, like, come on, that stuff's wonderful. Yeah, that was yeah, that was great for sure, <laughs> for sure. Hey, real quick, did we? No, never mind. Continue. All right, all right. So I think they all hurt the movie. Do any of those hurt the movie? I think that's the that's probably the better question. So I think they all help the movie. Um, do any of them detract? Were there any things you could have done without? No. No, I mean, w w there's a person I could have done without. We'll get to a little bit later. But I do think that the whole mismatched buddies thing totally makes the movie. Like, that is the movie. Like, there's no... I Everything else you listed, I think, can just be, like, a subplot to it. Like, yeah, sure, you got right. the rich, rich dad's son and all that other stuff. But, like, without David Spade in that, if that was just Chris Farley going on an adventure by himself, none of this is what it is like it sure Did maybe you read it's who was up for that role if it hadn't been david spade no oh god christian slater adam sandler i think were a couple ones i saw i don't think that movie sandler. i don't think i think you need somebody who can play nerd a lot yeah. better than christian slater and christian slater would have been good he was semi-nerdy and uh uh god what is that movie i'm thinking of you're talking to the one guy who knows one christian slater movie what is so. it what is it a true romance no god damn can we say that? What? True. <laughs> no. The, the other thing. Uh, I don't want to sound stupid. Heathers? I've never no, seen it. <laughs> no, I don't want to sound stupid. What do you think this podcast is for? It oh just sounds stupid. God. There's no. Don't hold back now. This, is, this isn't going to be fact-checked like your LEO podcast. We don't have to make sure we get Stevie Scott's yardage per game right. <laughs> I think it's 4.7. Of course per, it's 4.7. Per carry, <laughs> per carry. <laughs> um god dude what it felt like a lot less last year no. all right so one of my favorite things when we break down this movie uh is obviously taking it a little bit scene by scene but because a lot of these movies flow together uh i thought it was kind of interesting to do kind of a five minute stretch they're kind of like those hot zones um you know obviously as we talked about you're flipping it's a 
it's a rainy day in Noblesville and you're stuck inside and, and Coneheads or Airheads is coming on next and you got to get through Tommy Boy. What are those scenes that, that just make that a little less than, than punishment for you? Um, so I'm going to, I have unfortunately way too many to list. So I'm just going to kind of touch base on some of them, maybe add some highlights in here. Uh, but you tell me if I missed any, you tell me if I'm crazy. Um, so let's go ahead and, and run these off. So Tommy gets off the plane through to the point where he tours his new office. So in there, you have, did I catch a niner in there? Uh, oh, that has to be you in reference to the garbage bag full of clothes. I mean, come on, that like, oh God. Uh, shows that the city is dying. So it sets up how Sandusky is, you know, is kind of a piece of shit town spot ready to die. Starts the dynamic when they start, when they do the, the M&Ms into the radiator, like it start, really starts to show how these mismatched buddies, um, you know, we don't know how they're going to get squared off against each other, but but here it is, you know, uh, this is the kind of preamble to show you how that goes. Um, and then you get the tour of Callahan Auto, talks about the new brake pad division. Um, and then the one of the best lines that David Spade has in the whole movie, it's called reading, right to left, top to bottom. A group of words together is a sentence, take Tylenol for headaches, might offer any cramps. I mean, that's just, for me, that's just a wonderful introduction to what you're about to go through. I, I didn't even catch that one. Not even going to lie to you, dude. I've seen the movie a bunch. I've never won. And that's the winner. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not the winner. <laughs> no, it's not the winner. You still but haven't I, even gotten to mine, and mine are in chronological order. Like, I haven't even listed any of that stuff yet. So I think I'll we're four and a half minutes movie. in so far. <laughs> it sounds about right. All right, so then we go to Big Tom's Wedding obviously that leads up to his death. Uh, there's a bunch of really good stuff in there. Uh, when Richard, uh, obviously David Spade's character takes the, is the videographer and uh, he's getting different, going around to the different uh, people attending. And then the board member who starts coming on to Beverly played by Bo Derek and uh, starts, what does he call him? A little prick. Uh, for some reason that always gets to me. And then obviously the whole singing, um, you know, I could do without the singing, but I think it's a big part of the Chris Farley persona. So uh, again, not going to be the winner, but worth mentioning. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Oh, it's also the introduction of I could get a hell of a good look at a T-bone steak by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. I mean, Eddie, that could have been surrounded by four minutes and 50, se uh, 50 seconds of like um, Auschwitz footage, and it still would have been oh, a good five-minute clip. Shit. <laughs> Damn, dude. Uh, Episode one. <laughs> Episode one. Stop listening. You're <laughs> All right, so let's get into the heavy stuff then. Here's some heavy hitters. Those are, uh, this one I call the no montage. So this is when they have finally gone on the road. They are going to all of these uh, different places. Uh, Richard tells Tommy, we're not going to take no shit from, no, we're not going to take no, no uh, we're not going to take no for an answer. That's what it is. Um, and then he goes in there and they proceedingly immediately tell him no over and over again. Um, but then they finally get a maybe. And that's when the best scene in the history of movies ever happens. I see you nodding along. I will, I'm not gonna let you get away with this. Um, when he starts doing the other guy's brake pads and starts taking the model car, lighting it on fire, the new guy's in the corner puking his guts out. <laughs> and then I swear I do that, oh my God, thing about twice a day, um, pretending I have a cigar in my mouth the whole bit. That is just the absolute 
cake on this movie the, the fucking the absolute top part of this movie i'm not even gonna pretend that there's any other candidates worth going into oh. that's the winner i'm no. gonna go over the rest of them don't worry what i'm telling you right now i'm not gonna do i'm gonna spoil it that's that's my pick that's not the winner that's the first one i got though that's the first <laughs> one i wrote down was the model car crash scene for the first five minute stretch but, keep but going, he says, do you validate at the end? I mean, <laughs> it is just psychopathy to just the <laughs> the perfect illustration. I think it's wonderful. Um, all right. So let's 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 skip over the fact that I spoiled the ending. Uh, but let's go to the Brady automotive. So, again, this is a, a smaller scene, but they had just killed Bambi. So they have a they have a rotting a, let, a presumed dead deer carcass uh, in the back of Richard's prize car. Uh, they go in there. Tommy challenges Richard to, to sell, uh, which is just a wonderful little kind of switcheroo. Uh, and then, of course, he falls completely flat. Tommy tries to swoop in with the bull's ass bit, butchers a tariff. Oh, God, that was a pun that I didn't even intend. Oh, nice. oh, fuck, this is bad. Dad jokes are in my veins. Um, so Tommy quits <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of a sales pitch, he quits, which as, as a recovering salesman is just the funniest concept I could possibly think of is to know that the sales call is going bad and just to stand up and quit and yell <laughs> every time you drive down the road, you want to jerk the wheel into a goddamn bridge abutment. I mean, <laughs> I've been on some bad sales calls. But for some reason, that is just fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's on the list. Freak out in the office and then get to the get to the end of this five minute scene. <laughs> which is Dear Wake Up is what I wrote. You want to explain that part? The Dear Wake Up? Yeah. You that tell me. The end of this. Uh, yeah. So that they're just driving down the street after this like total freak out, just nuts. The dude's hair's still all screwed up. <laughs> He's Richard's telling him to fix his hair, and then out of nowhere, you just see in the background the deer wakes up, <laughs> and then they notice that the deer's awake in the back, and then they all freak out. And the part that gets me because I'm a child is when the deer, when the deer's mouth opens up and goes, Ah, that part is nuts, dude. Like, I think I rewatched that like three or four times. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, so that was my next one. I call that one the Deer Glen Hotel. Because <laughs> um, then they cut to immediately after that is the name of the hotel they're staying at is Deer Glen Hotel. And I'm probably the only guy who notices that because yeah, my so. son's name is Buck. And apparently, I don't know, or anything deer related is I have a, I have a radar for. Um, yeah, so, so that's a great one. Um, and then of course, when they get into the actual fight, that's another great one. They're on the side of the road. <laughs> ends up with uh, Richard taking a two by four across Tommy's face, um, which is just fantastic when he's... <laughs> and then they're sitting in the restaurant. It hurts. It just hurts really bad. It did, not, not, so, here. not here. So not here. <laughs> but just right here. Jesus, what happened to your face? <laughs> uh, yes, that's what I had. I had. For, I think that's like a solid five minutes. Legit solid five minutes. Fight on the side of the road to into the restaurant scene. The end of the restaurant scene is about five minutes. I you had get that written down too. 
and you get in there, Jojo the idiot circus boy, and his pretty new pet. <laughs> I stroke it. Oh god, I killed it. <laughs> and of course, and of course, Tommy want wingy. Oh, and God, you're sick. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, the the great part of that and the reason this is included is because Richard sees what Tommy just did, obviously, by getting the wings. And this ultimately becomes his sales strategy moving forward. And this is where they decide that even though we are these obviously mismatched buddies and we're in this comedy, we're going to go ahead and kind of figure out what works here and start selling some goddamn break dads. That's right. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the epiphany moment. That's the moment where everything comes together in the movie. Hey, make sure you use that chicken wing freak out with your little pet and everything every time we try to sell brake pads because that makes sense. Absolutely. So now they're selling. They are uh, Chris Farley is a salesman and uh, the salesman has left the building. So this is the hotel, the second hotel room scene. Um which I have uh, an entire page of notes about this scene alone. And it's probably not even a top, like I have 10 in here and it's probably like probably number five or six, but there's just so much in this five minutes. So Richard spots the hot girl in a row by the hotel pool out of the, out of the room window, which for the record, that's, I don't want to apply 2021 standards to 1995 events. I think that's a little bit dangerous, but um, my first thought was, God, he's a pervert. Um, but I also probably would have done the same thing. I mean, in 1995, not 2021. No, 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 that's no, no. 1995, nine-year-old version of me. Absolutely. No. Um, but yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and, and then Richard sees Tommy walking down by the pool and goes, Tommy, scram, don't give her the weight room thing. And of yes, course, there it is. That, that's there it, it comes is. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know where the weight room is? I'll check it out. <laughs> and then Richard, who does the creepiest narration imaginable of her taking her clothes off. I mean, it is it is straight up out of like a a pervert's like journal. And then he goes, "It's naughty time." <laughs> Speaking of Noah's looking, <laughs> oh, my and then you just hear his pants unzip. Oh yeah, uh, the worst. Hey, how so about he, how about Lori Bagley though? I just looked her all up. Right. So I have, so that's where all of my research comes in. So, um, so she's now naked and, and Lori Bagley, the lady who is jumping into the pool. Now, again, um, rented this movie hundreds of times as a kid, watched it on, uh, you know, it was on all the basic cable channels. So this scene was heavily edited. Um, but I damn near paused this thing hundreds of times as a kid and tried to rewatch it because I was smart enough to know that when they showed this movie, it was PG-13, but it had BN next to it. And I knew that BN was brief nudity. Right. So I knew somewhere in there, there was going to be an ass, a tit, or a vagina. Technical <laughs> terms. Um, <laughs> yeah, so tit. a technical term. <laughs> teat. Sorry, teat. Um, so, so I scoured that movie, and I knew that that was the only scene it could batten. Well, I guess Tommy has his butt crack hanging out a couple times, but um, so I was like, I am going to try to freeze frame this so I can see that tit. Perfect. No, uh, you can't do it on VHS. Thank God DVDs were invented. Um, so I can't apologize for the teenage version of me from ten to sixteen who would do that. Um, I. 
I cannot apologize either for the 20 year old version of me who did the exact same thing when it came out on DVD, but it's barely there. You can, you can barely make it out, but it was there. And so I count this maybe as the first pair of boobs I saw in a theater. I, I don't, I can't prove it, but, uh, but I'm counting it in my, in my memory and telling my kids as such. I don't think I can't, I, I can't remember. I don't think the first, uh, yeah, yeah. Two years later is when I saw the first pair of tits I've ever seen in the movie theater. Can you guess? 1997. The movie? Biggest oh, movie in 1997. Maybe the biggest. Oh, no. Titanic. Yeah. 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 Titanic. And as good as it gets, I remember sitting next to my mom, seeing both of those and being mortified. At, um, yeah. Hmm. Again, so glad that movie theaters are. Oh wait, we no. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, let's move on from the pool scene. I <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I have too. I still have too much oh, more. I can't. Okay. Ah. Oh yeah. So that's right. let's talk uh, about Lori Bagley. So the best part about this is, so Tommy comes back in and sees Richard beating off to the skinny dipper, and uh, Richard allegedly he was he was doing forms. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. But the paperwork was in his briefcase, which is on the other side of the room. Do we need to talk about logistics? I need to get a sketch of the of the dynamics of that is there an architect who has a blueprint or a floor plan of that room if you're doing the paperwork and you're in the bed and it's in your briefcase richard were you watching spank revision <laughs> oh what's that comedian buddy whack it oh god oh and then of course the hey there's a pretty girl down there geez i wonder if she goes out with one of the yankees so this is where i'm going to launch into my Lori bagley rerun again okay so Lori bagley dated david spade dated chris farley and was a cause of contention between the two of them uh chris farley actually i don't know if winning her i i i you know, again, 2021, I don't think we win anybody. Uh, but apparently, uh, Chris Farley is the one who ended up dating her long term. And David was, uh, David Spade ended up getting pretty butthurt about that, I guess. Um, and which is also why Black Sheep is painful, I think, in, in certain parts. Uh, un unfortunately, they, they clearly were not getting along there. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, I just think it's interesting that she was not dating a Yankee. Uh, she was, dating one of these two jackasses um, who apparently <laughs> decided to uh, to kind of, you know, I don't say ruin a friendship over it, but certainly cause some kind of, uh, you know, chemistry disruption or so it seemed. Did not know that. Yeah. Did reading. I, I always call it Chris, Chris Farley's autobiography, but I mean, um, that's kind of impossible. Um, but yeah, I've, I've read Chris, Bar uh, Chris Farley's biography a couple of times and uh, they get into it quite a bit. How does it? Uh, pardon? Nothing. It was a bad joke. Oh, I have a worse joke later that I already <laughs> wrote for it. So yeah, oh, I'll just do it now. Yeah, I remember reading it and rolling over to Jenna and going like, "Oh, he's having so much fun uh, on the set of Tommy Boy. I'm so happy for him." And then 40 pages later, I roll over to her and go, "I don't think he's gonna make it, honey. It's not looking good." <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on yeah. past the, past the pool scene. What's yeah, next? so last one, final one, and it has to be the, so I I left out the whole ending because I think the ending is, nah, it's not my favorite part. Um, so I did the flight to Chicago. Um, this scene is 
um, what are we serving tonight? Chicken <laughs> or chicken? <Or> chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Richard and Tommy handling the announcement. Tommy's a Scorpio, likes biking and has never been laid. Um, and then if anything, we're going to crash into a mountain. For some reason, that stupid shit just makes me laugh. Uh, and then Tommy grabs, of course, a child size uh, life preserver. And then for some dumbass reason, actually inflates it, chokes to death nearly, grabs a woman's brooch where I swear he's almost borderline sexually assaulting her, grabs the brooch or pen or whatever the hell that thing is, stabs it, pops it. Um, and then they have to go change out of their flight attendant costumes, which I am going to be speaking more about later, not going to get too much into right now, uh, switch in. Then they have the fat guy fall down in the in the bathroom scene that obviously ends with him bursting out of the bathroom with his pants around his ankles, covered, just disheveled as can be. Um, <laughs> and this sets up the, the finale of the movie where they're now in Chicago and have to face Zelensky, have to face the wicked stepmother. Um, and it's just really kind of a an interesting last uh, big kind of comedic scene. Yeah, that's that's right. I I stopped my uh, nominees was airplane scene announcements bathroom. There's a part though that you missed, and I'm trying to get to that scene right now. There's a little part, a little David Spade part that he does. I gotta find it. Where the fuck? There's a part where he's. How am I not gonna see it right now? Where he's you? Maybe you can just tell me where he's sitting down. And somebody, somebody's doing something. He kind of goes like, like sit down or whatever. He, you know what I'm talking about? He's looking at somebody else on the flight. Oh God, yes. Seatbelt. Put your seatbelt on. No, not the, that hey. one. That's where he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because he's like, like this or whatever. Yeah, yes. that's the best. When, when that's Tommy's what I think making is the a best. scene in the in the bathroom, and he's just pounding against the wall, and everybody's like looking over, like. Who the hell is making this noise? And again, pre-9-11, pre-9-11. Um, you know, who's making this noise in the bathroom? And he's just like, oh, seatbelt, seatbelt. <laughs> yes, that's that's a very underrated <laughs> part of that scene for sure. Um, so in in my opinion. Yes. You miss. Give it to me. You miss two of them. Okay. Two big ones. So one of them I think we'll talk about in just a, a minute or so. Um, but it's a scene technically uh and it's not five minutes but you miss the housekeeping scene Talk about that so obviously we don't even have to don't even have to mock it i mean that's that's a, just a classic scene the other we're one definitely going to talk about that later yes yeah so the other one you missed um it's a big one man you missed the map the map uh, gas station scene at the very beginning and i just sent this to you a couple of days ago too yeah what happened? You were talking about IU beating Iowa, so I had to send you a Davenport, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. You need a new map. What, what? Twenty-two Richard. miles. <laughs> Richard, hey, you're what? really smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are good ones. Yeah, I definitely missed those. Yeah, so you missed those. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna disagree with you. I think. Go for it. On the winner. I know that you've already made the mod. I wrote down mo model car crash scene as your winner. I think the airplane's the winner. Okay, that's what I think. That's just me. All right, no, like that's, that's perfectly fair. There's a lot of good stuff in there. It's a tight five. I don't even think model model car crash is top five for me. Oh, maybe. Okay, maybe it's top five. Maybe four. 
All I'm saying is if I were ever, and I have no talent and I have no desire, but if I ever wanted to be an actor and I was going to a casting call and I could do any monologue I wanted to, it would be that monologue. Just for some reason, just that, <laughs> any kind of epic meltdown like that is just absolutely uh, a, a favorite of mine. And so I would, uh, I would do a terribly hammy, uh, <laughs> mocking of that so that i don't know that, that that's why i think it's my winner because that's the thing i can most see myself doing um so does that does that make it the most is that one of your most memeable moments something okay. i guess memeable oh god Did we just quotes? segue oh we have a segue alert awesome look at you go he's been here before ladies and gentlemen bow, bow, bow. Absolutely. So let's get into what is the most memeable moment. So are there any gifts, memes, quotes, clips that we use frequently kind of in our everyday life? Um, and I have uh, about a page of ones I listed off here. So I am going to rattle through these. I'm going to skip a bunch. You're going to fill me in here. Um, and I'm going to try really hard not to laugh as I go through here. So um and again, I think I tried to limit this as much as possible. You're, this is a conservative news podcast. I mean, this is a conservative list. <laughs> All right, here we go. And I put them in order <laughs> as how they appeared in the movie because uh, I'm, I'm an absolute fucking nerd. All right. Uh, I'm retarded. Uh, six packs of soda. Um, I have never seen a mini fridge and not said this, that I, again, before I was a dad, after I was a dad, you can't see a mini fridge and not say six pack of soda. Um, okay. So my, my name is, my last name is Hancock. So unfortunately the John Hancock, it's Herbie Hancock. Um, and, uh, so that was always one that made me laugh and also introduced me to a musician that I really like, and I had never heard of Herbie Hancock before. So that was cool uh again uh is that for me no son <laughs> that's for me uh when Bo Derek's coming out of the pool in her in her bikini um brothers don't shake hands brothers got a hug I mean that's uh that's just a great one uh did you eat a lot of pain chips as kids which comes up two or three different times during the movie and I had several people ask me that as a kid as well so my dad has never seen this movie and he used to ask me that so I don't know if that's like a an actual saying that that was commonplace before but this is what introduced me to it um as i mentioned before i could get a good look at a t-bone steak by sticking my head up a bull's ass but i'd rather take the butcher's word for it um <laughs> that was awesome uh when, <laughs> after julie warner uh, uh michelle brock uh yells at the kids on the beach oh god when they're in the boardroom this, this lady is my favorite, and I'm going to talk a lot about her later. Um, the old lady in the boardroom who goes, and that's when the whores come in. Whores running around doing their little behind shake for the men folks. I don't know how many times I say that out of context for absolutely no reason, but that's when the whores come in. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that gets me. Um, another one, mostly for the malted hops and bong resin references. Uh, try an association. Like the average person uses 10% of their brain. How much do you use? One and a half percent. The rest is clogged with malted hops and bong resin. Yeah, so that's a personal favorite of mine, I'll admit to. Um, you're a huge embarrassing failure. Again, one I've used on myself quite frequently. It's a self, uh, 
self-defecating meme. Yeah, get it? I shit on my nah, nobody cares. Uh, I do have get yourself a new map. That's one I, I love. That one. Um, I give that one to my wife randomly because she's terrible with directions, even though she thinks she knows exactly where she's going all the time, making sure she's not listening. Great. Okay. Um, what'd you do uh, when when Richard pulls the car door off the hinge? Uh, that's my favorite for blaming somebody else for my own mistakes. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, Another one I use, it's got to be your bull. Um, again, it's, it's never appropriate, but for some reason makes me laugh. Uh, you have derailed, much like this podcast. Uh, we just killed Bambi. Um, <laughs> every time I drive down the road, I want to jerk the wheel into a goddamn bridge abutment, fat guy in a little coat. See, so like the ones I, I recognize, obviously, those are, those are big moments. Um, didn't make my best scenes, but we'll take that. Um, he could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. Uh, not here or here so much, but right here. Uh, Jesus, what happened to your face? Um, again, that one has gotten me in trouble before. Um, yeah, I shouldn't. Uh, I'll stop admitting to things on this podcast. Uh, Tommy Want Wingy. I, I know that's one of your personal favorites. Uh, God, you're sick. Again, not of mine. Uh, okay, so... Here's another monologue that I cannot help myself. Uh, and I broke it up into two parts. The point is, how do you know the ferry isn't a crazy glue sniffer? Build model airplanes, says the ferry. Well, we're not buying it. He sneaks into your house once. Next thing you know, there's money missing off your dresser and your daughter's knocked up. I've seen it a thousand, a hundred times. Uh, and then <laughs> they know all they sold you was a guaranteed piece of shit. That's all it is, isn't it? Hey, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. I've got spare time. But for now, for your customer's sake, for your daughter's sake, you might want to think about buying a quality product from me. Uh, damn it, I did revert to a Chicago accent, but he does in that scene too. Don't blame me. Blame him. Um, you know where the weight room is? I'll check it out. Uh, it's naughty time. Speaking of no one's looking, again, that one's gotten me in trouble. Buddy Wackett, gotten me in trouble. Sinner. Uh, <laughs> uh, housekeeping, you want me to, you want me jerk you off. <laughs> I can't get through this. <laughs> How that many, one gets to me every more, time. I, how many I, more do you have? I have like three or four more. Uh, right. Holy shnikes. Hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? What are we serving tonight? Chicken or chicken? And I've got a plan. Okay. So that is a that is a laundry list. That is a laundry list. And I think this podcast is going to be longer than the actual movie, which I was surprised <laughs> on how short it was, to be honest with you. But real quick, let me hit some of them that I missed or that you missed that I've got. So holy mother of god like that's one of them that i say a lot and then son of a like yeah. at, like a hundred times in the movie um totally left out the maniac dance at the gas station <laughs> um and then all the pretty maids dressed in her lined up in a row <laughs> <laughs> and then uh the only other thing we didn't touch on and i honestly man i should have stuck it in the uh best five minute stretch or like some sort of scene but i think this is like my favorite part because we did we did put in we this could be a, a, a whatever i'll say it right the a gif a meme a quote a clip whatever that people use a lot the bees in the car <laughs> like that scene dude i was rolling the other day because i totally forgot about that and i was like i think this is where he 
did they do the bees? Is this the movie with the bees? Yeah, that was amazing. So that's all I've got left. I think the best, honestly, like the best quote, if we're just doing it, gonna do quotes. Man, I can't, I don't know, dude. Like fat guy in a little coat, housekeeping. Those are those are the ones that I hear the most, probably. All right. I will, I have one absolutely in agreement with you. And I have one that's a little bit different. So I said, I had two different answers and one was a pre-COVID answer and one was a post-COVID answer. And the pre-COVID answer was brothers don't shake hands, brothers got a hug. And since since hugging is outlawed now, I I felt like I couldn't rightfully choose that one any further. Um, So I ended up with housekeeping, you want me jerk you off. Yeah, that's just the best. Uh, Every time you're, (laughs) every time you're at your buddy's house, or... A Chuck E. Cheese, a Buca de Beppa, a La Quinta Inns and Sweets. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you're at just a hotel or like you need to knock on your roommate's door, like back in the day, you know, there's no like, hey, man, you up. It's always housekeeping. You have me jerk you off every time. Housekeeping. Just nonstop. Like that's the one that I did the most for sure. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to say that's my winner, especially in a, in a post COVID world. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's take an awful segue into my next one, which is the clock check. So this is one that um, thankfully I'm going to go ahead and say doesn't apply to this movie. Cause like you said, it's a, it is a brisk 97 minutes. Um, my thought process on this one is I, uh, so the idea here is a lot of times you watch a movie, there's a lull, there's some kind of point, you know, where you're sometimes you just got to take a pee break, whatever the situation is, where you just got to look and see how much, how much of an investment do I have left in this thing? Um, Tommy boy, this movie doesn't have any slow spots. I mean, it's pretty brisk the whole way through. Like I said, the ending is probably the worst part. So once you know you're there, you're just like, okay, well, I got 10 more minutes. I'm going to strap in. We'll just, we'll just finish, finish this baby out. Um, so I did not check the clock at any point. I did have to pause it several times to uh, take absolutely terrible notes. Um, but aside from that, I did not check the clock uh, during this 97 minutes. What about you? I did, but that was just to get up. Just just a quick break. <laughs> 38 okay. minutes, 38 minutes left. Rob Lowe truck scene. You should have seen my face because my face just dropped. I was like, oh no. Okay. No. It was just okay. I can no. I can allow for that then. No, and I agree. The when end was the, the 38 the minutes, the Rob Lowe truck scene? Yeah. The end of the, the movie is awful. And we'll get to that in the next one. Okay. We're, I so promise, just... guys, we're gonna wrap up here in the next half hour, 45 minutes, probably. <laughs> so, so um Let's do awards then. Let's get yeah. let's get on to the awards. So I do an MVP and an LVP. And so let's do the MVP candidate. So it's not just an actor per se. It could be an idea, person, place, or thing, maybe a concept. So uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to name one. Bragg, you can name one after. We'll kind of go back and forth here. Um, one of my favorites is factory closings, just devastating rust belt cities. Um, yeah, yeah. Going sideways to start out with going a little less than obvious. So uh, just the idea that the entire town of Sandusky is reliant on Callahan Auto uh, to essentially sustain as a, as a town growing up in Indiana, we've seen this. Um, so I just think it's really kind of an interesting little parallel that until I was in my 20s or 30s, I never even picked up on. Um, but then again, obviously that allows me to say that's when the horrors come in. So, um, so that's one of personal favorites of mine. What about you? I didn't fill anything out here. Oh boy. All right. So the reason I didn't fill anything out here is because I couldn't pick out one particular thing that made this movie incredible. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it takes everything that there is in the movie for it to be as good as it is. If that makes sense. So I could say Chris Farley. Like, that's what I could say. Like, that's if it wasn't for Chris answer, Farley, right? I mean, yeah. Then this movie, I mean, you could put Adam Sandler in there. Him and David Spade do. I mean, they're buddies. I don't, I just don't think it's as good. I think you have to have the fat guy. You have to have that person. So I, I'll just take the easy one. I'll just take it. It's Chris Farley. He's, he's my MVP. So we're not even going to consider David Spade. David Spade's big. We'll get into it. We'll get okay. there. All right. We'll so there, he's, he's big. He's not my MVP though. No, no. Uh, and rarely does a second fiddle warrant consideration, I think, because he's obviously the number two here. I know they're co-build, uh, but he's clearly the sidekick. Um, so yeah, he's he's not a winner, uh, but he's definitely worth mentioning. Uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, is fantastic. Oh no, oh no, this is just, where it turns. Just pick your just pick your winner on MVP, please. All right, we can move on to LVP. It's Chris Farley. It's unquestionably Chris Farley. Can I start uh, LVP? Yeah, go for it. Did you want to talk about Chris Farley? No, I wanted to talk about faux incest and the deer, but we can move on. Okay. Oh, Going to LVP. Your, your MVPs, bro. I've got three. I've got three LVPs. I'm going to do, do it real quick, and you're going to be shocked by the. I'll just do this one first. Um. So the speed of events is the first one. So like okay. at the very end of the movie, hey, all of a sudden you guys literally just got back. Now the bank's going to take everything away because everything's falling apart within five minutes of movie time. Michelle's leaving. Uh, the stepmom and and rob Lowe are are signing papers and everything else it's all within like five ten minutes of the movie and there's no context like they just get back from doing it you see rob Lowe like hop on the computer for 15 seconds and then bam everything's fucked okay so the other two (laughs) were very very uh subtly mentioned by you and your mvps the whole incest thing is an lvp for me (laughs) it's a little bit man it's weird still like I know yeah. it's supposed to be funny. I get it. And it's like, but it, that is, that is the dramatic part of the movie. That is the part that is like, there's no spoiler alerts here. Everybody's no. seen it by you now. You can't but... spoil a 26 year old movie. <laughs> God, dude, 26 year old. I know. Born in 1995. Let's move over. Let's, let's gloss, okay, gloss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the whole incest thing. And then this is the one, maybe everybody's going to shut it off now, or at least stop listening to me. Dan Aykroyd is my oh, LVP. I can see the cringe on your face. Okay, tell me why. I, I at least need some kind of logic. I from can't, you. dude. Like, I don't even know if that's his. That's not his real voice, right? Oh God, because I asked the same question about Bo Derek. Is that her real voice? That's her real voice. <laughs> it's got to be her real voice. No, and and Dan Aykroyd is clearly doing like a Canadian trying to do a Chicago accent, and for some reason, because I've heard so many bad Chicago accents, I have a bad fake Chicago accent. Like, it works for me, but. Yeah, I have no standards. So yeah, so Dan Ackward, I I just can't, man. The hair, the accent, the uh, the everything you like about uh, everything you hate about him is what I love. Okay, so I can do I can do Dan Aykroyd like Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers, but I can't do Dan Aykroyd in this movie. I just can't do it. Celtic pride. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I'm just gonna run through mine then. Uh, Pre 9/11 airport security. Uh, they just become flight attendants because they have a an outfit. Like, what the fuck is that? Um, that is such a. I mean, it's jarring. Um, again, using. I think we used to be able brain. to smoke cigarettes on airplanes back then. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, fake bomb threats. Like even by 1995, you'd think that fake bomb threats probably wouldn't be 
funny or maybe would at least elicit some kind of criminal investigation they just walk out like after both after the after both hostage seizures of the lobby they just walk away um Bo Derek not a fan she's a blind spot of mine she might be great I don't know and is that her real voice I mean I I don't know you said it is I think it is 1990 was when they nixed they nixed the uh smoking on flights just so you know okay all right uh, drinking from milk cartons, <laughs> uh, using the word retard or retarded, uh, like that's just so cringe. Again, you, it's hard to apply like 2021 standards to 1995, but there's two different references. All right. It, uh, Michelle Brock not using filing cabinets. Now, first of all, that's a misconception. The filing cabinets are not the reason why things got screwed up. It's the lack of data security at Callahan Auto, which is my next LVP. How do you not like? Did did, secu- did data security not exist in 1995? And, and have I just grown up in a world that has, you know, I don't even know, like McAfee or like well, whatever. Like, is that just the world I've grown up in? Was it always this way? Could you hack into it by just showing up in somebody's office? Was that a thing? There was no like logging on things. I don't think. I think you just like you shook the mouse. Burp, burp, yeah, and then you're that was on. it. He shook the mouse, and like you said, five seconds later, you know everything was rerouted. Yeah, so, of course yeah. she's right on there, and he knows how to run whatever that's called. Whatever like that's same program Lowe's still uses to like put <laughs> stuff into the system. Like it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. But- hey, shout out real quick though because she's a manager. I think, right? She's pretty important. So good for them having, you know, women in important roles. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, So one of the things that I mentioned, that you mentioned is the B scene. And I put as does not age well is not pulling over for cops. Um, Again, not, not a political podcast, but dude, if they light you up, just get to a safe spot, pull he over did. and for God forbid, don't run out of the car with your arms waving. He did. Like, so hold PSA. on, that's a two, that's a two lane road. <laughs> there's no shoulder okay so if he pulls over on that side of the road and just stops right where he's at what are they going to do what if somebody comes up from behind him what's gonna oh. so he's just gonna stop traffic so he's trying to find something something some bees in the car he goes at least he pulls off the road and gets out of the car okay with his hands up he's got his hands up he's going like this running running and waving <laughs> and screaming screaming incoherent words what if I'm not going to say, oh, no. <laughs> say that. Imagine she was black. <laughs> now imagine he was a woman. <laughs> the doctor was a mother. Um, yeah, uh, the other ones I had were Chicago PD and the, Bu- uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Again, there has to be some kind of investigation after both of those lobby sieges. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. that was, those were like, big time felonies like Tommy's got to be put away in some federal penitentiary for like 10 to 20 years Michelle Brock and Richard need to be for like five to ten as accomplices like that's some real heavy duty shit um and so I'm going to go ahead and declare my winner is the pre-9-11 airport security uh well I should say loser we, we shouldn't call that a winner you should at no point should flight attendants have been able to just like <laughs> there has to be some kind of clearance you'd think I agree but i I mean, I, I guess I, I'm not going to say that's my winner, not at all, but I, I agree with the lack of security. I'm going to say that my winner is the speed of events slash end of the movie. I don't. Yeah, that's completely fair. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go into moonlighting. So this is where we're going to see what the Oscar contenders were this year. And we're going to see if any of Tommy Boy's uh, primary uh, cast would have 
been a winner. So we're just going to go ahead fire. and Let's rapid fire. Yeah, absolutely. So best movie, Braveheart, Apollo 13, Babe, Il Postino, Sense and Sensibility. No. Did you say Il Pussy? Il... <laughs> that would have won. That should have won. Uh, <laughs> no, that's in my different collection of movies. So, no. Hey, who did Il win Postino. That? Who did win that? Apollo uh, Braveheart. Braveheart? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of this is so going to be Braveheart. Too. Again, something that did not age well. 1995 glasses. Uh, best director, Mel Gibson for Braveheart. Chris Noonan for Babe. Tim Robbins, Dead Man Walking. Michael Mike Figgis for Leaving Las Vegas. Michael Radford for Il Postino. Again, Il Pussy. Uh, Peter Siegel? No, no. No. I mean, and there's a couple of those movies I don't like, but I mean, it's just not realistic. Let's best this. actor. Let's do what? this. Let's do this. Let's just say best actor. Who do you think? Chris Farley? Yes or no? No. Okay. There's nobody applicable for best actress. So I put maybe. For what? For Chris for Farley? Best actor. Okay. Yeah. So definitely comedic actors get screwed on this. They never get considered. And it's so much harder to be funny than it is to be dramatic. Can but I, yeah. Can I, can I rock everybody's world here real quick? Let's do it. Back to best movie. The last time a comedy won best picture. 1938. Is that what Charlie Chaplin or Marx Brothers? I, I no idea. Yeah, yeah. You can't know. take it with you is the movie. Oh, dear. yeah. No idea. No frame of reference. Yeah, none at all. No, that's the last time. So just think about that. So best actress, you're right. Nothing there. Best supporting actor. Anybody in there? Uh, you don't like Dan Aykroyd, so I said he was the closest, but that's a clear I thought no. David Spade was the closest, if any. Oh other. no, I have no for David Spade, no for Brian Dennehy, no for Rob Lowe. Uh, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is the closest, but no. Uh, <laughs> best supporting, uh, Bo Derek, no, and then no. Julie Warner, who plays Michelle Brock, no. Agreed. Okay, let's move on. Uh, catch all. So we did. We is there anything? I mean, God forbid we missed anything at this point. I think that's uh, redundant. Uh, the only two things I'll quickly mention is this movie's plot could have been easily solved in modern times with access to a cell phone and a mediocre CRM system. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. I totally agree. So what? So the question is, what? What have you forgotten about this movie? Like, yeah. What have, what have you personally forgotten about this movie? You want to know what I forgot? The weed references. Oh, the bongs. <laughs> did not know that there were so many weed references in this movie. Um, maybe it was because I think every time, except for maybe the first time I saw it, it was on TV. It was on comedy. Oh, yeah, they would take that out. Sure. Shown that. The other one, and you really got to look at her face, man. You can't look at the hair so much. I forgot how hot Michelle was. Julie Warner's like kind of smoked, dude. Yes. Okay. So I have her, we'll get into, I swap her out later, but yes, on, on reviewing, she's a smoke show, dude. It works. And she's supposed to be playing small town, Ohio. Like it works. You have to get past the, I think she's got bangs, like some weird well, bangs are like again, puffed out. It's the nineties. You can't pay attention to hair. You you get, have and, the, to. and the, and the, obviously she's got like the warehouse vibe like sweaters and jeans she's a she's a woman of the people that's right um okay so let's get into one hitters then um so this is uh so my mom used to always you know the price i'd have to pay for her taking me to a movie would be we'd have to dissect the movie and talk about how i felt and what i learned and all that stuff afterwards and so i'm gonna make you uh make you ride that train with me um so let's just break it down real quick did this movie make you laugh yes oh yeah it did cry no, I, I wouldn't. I would say that there's a there's a moment. I think with his dad, 
That right. It, it pulls your heartstrings a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. bit. yeah. No. But no, it never cried. Uh, also, this movie does not make me think. Nope. I love that. Turning your brain off for 97 minutes. And it does not educate me in any way whatsoever. Did you learn anything? I put a little question mark. Oh, boy. Mark, here we go. A little question A little? And then I put, <laughs> you learn a little bit about business. Just a little about business. And then you also learn about gold digging hoes. <laughs> okay. I will give you that. Uh... <laughs> That's it, though. That's okay. It. When Fair I'm nine enough. years old, then when I'm nine years old, this is what I, this is how I learn about business and gold diggers. Well, they didn't mention anything about Zoom calls. So um, I think that's the one thing missing from this. If it, um, all right. So let's go to the next category. I call this one greener grass. And the question here is, is there a better version of this movie? Hollywood likes to recycle a lot of these stories. Um, is there a better version of this movie? I thought of a couple. Um, I don't say they're better, but they're similar. Uh, Michael, you want to go ahead and let me know what you think. Is there a better version of this movie or uh, at least something close? Now, this isn't fair. I was never a big Chris Farley guy. I was a big Adam Sandler guy. And so if okay, I so was going to... Before you launched into this, I thought we were going to be on the same page here. So now I'm yeah. nervous. So the same, I think it's the exact same movie. If you think about it, you just don't have two people so much. Billy Madison. Okay. Okay. Better version of this movie. You got a rich dude who's his dad's trying to give him the business or, you know, his dad doesn't die, right. but his dad tries, is he's going to take over the his dad's business, but he has to do things to do that. Now, granted, he has to go back to school as opposed to go sell fucking brake pads to, <laughs> to whack ass, like weird haired idiots, but from the um, upper Midwest. Sure. Yeah. But I think Billy Madison, to me, if you think about the actual, like, just bare bones plot line of each Mm -hmm. movie, it's exactly the same. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's something I mentioned in the cliche is that there are a lot of similarities with that kind of prodigal son, rich loser, uh, sorry, (laughs) rich idiot son. Um, So I think that definitely applies. The ones I came up with were due date um, and planes, trains and automobiles, because they're kind of the mismatched buddies road trip movies. Um, and obviously the, uh, Zach Galifianakis, Robert Downey Jr. And then, uh, Steve Martin, John Candy, um, kind of playing the mismatched buddies. Uh, they're both very good, not better. I thought you were going to say due date. That's where I thought you were going. I know you've mentioned that a few times and we've talked, um, or at least used it as a meme before. Um, so I thought you were, you might've gone there. Yeah, you, um, went, you went hard on the, on the whole road trip thing. I know that was the cliche I grabbed onto. That was the the mismatched buddy road trip kind of. Um, I did go Shakespeare for the other one uh, in Hamlet. Um, so in Hamlet, Tommy would be Hamlet, Big Tom would be the king, Beverly and Paul would be Claudio, and the auto plant would be the throne. And again, it might be Shakespearean, but I don't. I wouldn't say it's better. Um, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting. Um, okay. This is so my let's fast forward. This is my let's fast one. forward this. So yeah, we talk about how it's hard to put 1995 movies into 2021 because just so much has changed. The way we talk, the way we experience movies, you know, everything. Um, so let's ask the question first: Could this movie be made in 2021? 
Michael? So I did these answers. I did the first two answers, this one and the one that follows it up early on in the movie. I think now that I've had some time to reflect, maybe I'll change it, but I think I'll just, I'll stick. I'll stick with what I originally put down. I put yes. Okay. And I think it would be a, a, a theater movie. Okay. Um, just because honestly, like name the last comedy that you saw in a theater that wasn't a stand-up. I think that was the last comedy I saw was like Kevin Hart stand up or something. Oh God. What? Again, what punishment? <laughs> Bro, you guys just don't, you guys got to hate on this dude, man. Oh, well, hate on Kevin. he'll come back. Don't worry. Um, just, yeah. What about you? Yeah, You're going to say, yeah, no. I totally think it'd be, no, I'm going to say yes. Um, I wouldn't want it remade. I'm just saying it could be made in this uh, in this time period. Um, Hollywood still makes buddy comedies. Speaking of Kevin Hart, I mean, he's in a buddy comedy pretty much every year, whether it's, uh, what is it, Get Hard or Ride Along or, you know, they're doing this all the time. It's still it's still a thing. Now, they, instead of making it mismatched buddies, they make it mismatched teams of you know eight different people we're talking about like action movies and stuff like that and fast and the furious movies it seems like it's everything is like now eight mismatched buddies are put together in a face-off against the world um so it's just uh so i definitely think it works um i think it would work as so here's the thing that i got a little bit sidetracked on is i definitely think it could still be a blockbuster movie that goes into theaters i think we still have big headlining stars um but even those big headlining stars like you mentioned adam sandler that's who came up in here is he's you know netflix now um so this definitely could be uh you know an adam sandler type netflix release that gets popular for a week and then disappears into irrelevance until you know you get stoned on a saturday night and have nothing else better to do and throw yeah. it back on and fall asleep to it here's a here's something that we could throw in here if 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 they were getting remade maybe you said it already but maybe i just like toned out or like blacked out and just stopped listening i don't know shocking if they remade it who do you have playing you don't have to go individual roles if you don't want to but like who do you have playing in the cast like at least oh i like broke it down characters. way too far well, this is this, this was too fun for me let's do like the main main characters yeah then. so chris farley i have is seth rogan i think he can play kind of the lovable loser we've seen it i don't think he's ever played rich son before um but you'd have to hope that's within his uh within his wheelhouse uh for david spade so you can't just go mismatch buddy comedy anymore. It has to be either a woman or it has to be black. So I went with Kevin Hart. What? Whoa. Kevin Hart? Whoa. What? I don't see how, I mean, you can, this is going to sound real bad, but you can throw a, a, a big time black actor in a different role, can't you? Uh, I'm sure I you could. Yeah. I don't see. No, of course you could. But... I don't see Seth Rogen in. Okay. And I'm a big Seth Rogen guy. And okay. in future podcasts, we'll go over my Seth Rogen thing. I think Seth Rogen is a very niche actor. Okay. He is he is himself in every movie. Like that I would is, say he's better when he creates the character than when he is playing somebody else's character. I agree, but I can see it. I could see it if you wanted to recreate it and make it 2021 revamped hey we're gonna do the same kind of thing but we're not gonna do it like what was that one dumb and dumber two or dumb and dumber or oh, whatever God. yeah we're not gonna do that like let's remake it let's remake it with modern people i, I guess i could see that because i can't imagine where else you would put um 
like a star woman or a star African-American actor. I couldn't figure it out. Oh, trust me. I tried to fit some in. Um, for Rob Lowe, I have Joel McHale. I think he plays smarmy asshole really well. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Brian Dennehy, I have Richard Kind. I don't know. I don't know if he's a voice actor. He's been in Curb Your Enthusiasm and Mad About You. I don't know if you know him. He's a favorite of mine. Uh, he plays Marty Globerman in, in Big Mouth. Um, Bo Derek, I would love to see Jessica Alba. Um, but just because I'd love to see Jessica Alba in a bikini pretty much any time. So that's... Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, Julie Warner was a tough one. I put Shailene Woodley again, like I said before, it has to be somebody who can kind of play small town Ohio and still not be too hot for the main lead. And then for Dan Aykroyd, I have Kevin Nealon, um, again, the SNL connection. Uh, and I love when he plays just random kind of uh, weirdos, especially grandma's boy comes to mind where um, what does he play Cheezle. Um, shit, that guy fucking cracks me up. So I think he'd be kind of a, a newfangled Dan Aykroyd. Did you have any thoughts on here? I, I think yeah. you are. Fuck is Shailene Woodley. Why do I not know? Oh, she's wonderful. Um, she's in Divergent. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's not. She's in The Descendants. Um, that's where I I met. That's where I was introduced to her. I saw her in Divergent. In Divergent, yeah. that's like that's like the knockoff of uh, the Jennifer. What's her name? Movies. Right? Yeah, The Hunger Games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So this is going to be funny. I thought you were going to go down the same road as me. So if I were to do the same thing, I'm not going to break them down in characters. I think we can kind of figure it out. Every sure. time I thought about a modern Chris Farley, like somebody to fit that role, I could only come up with Jonah Hill. Oh, that is okay. the only person I could okay. come up with. And then I couldn't figure out who would pair well with him. And I'm not even going to lie to you. Like I kept thinking like, all right, who's the black actor I can put with him? Who's the girl I can put with him? Who? Oh man, that would be good. But he's that like, just came to me. Yeah, he's way older than him. I know. Could you? Could could Michael B. Michael B. Jordan do would like he? a funny role? Would he? Yeah. I mean, I love Michael B. Me too. I could see that then. But so basically, what I wrote down was either like like straight up like the Twenty One Jump Street crew or the Super Bad crew. All right, all right. And then like Emma Stone as Michelle. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I That's can see I that. Have. Yeah. That's all. I couldn't think okay. of an older Yeah, no. Uh, well, maybe Jennifer Aniston as as uh Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. As Bo for Bo. <laughs> Rob Lowe can just play his own character or he can play the oh, dad. Yeah, cuz he still looks the exact fucking same. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do have to say 911 Lone Star, he finally looks like he's like getting old. He's aging, like... man. That Atkins, all those chemicals in the Atkins bars that he's eating. <laughs> All right, here comes the fun stuff, man. We're gonna. Th- right. We should make this into like a two-parter, I think, because I think we're pushing like two hours now. <laughs> the only the only podcast to uh, have to require two parts for the initial podcast about Tommy Boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's get into this. So we're gonna do one of my favorites is I call this one over under. So I want to swap out one actor in order to make this movie better. So still in 1995, we're still living in the same world. We're just going to swap one out. And unfortunately, based on your Dan Aykroyd comment, I am terrified that that's immediately where you're going with this. But prove me wrong. No, so, I, so I'm so swapping. Are we doing better and worse? We're going to do better first. We'll do worst after. Yeah. So to make the movie better, I couldn't. I put no one dot okay. dot. And then I put maybe Jim Carrey instead of Chris Farley. Whoa. Yeah. Like so you're really jumping up. Ventura. Yeah, you're really jumping up, I think, in right before cable guy. Okay. I think the mask was around ninety-five too. Ninety-four, yeah. And 94? I hate the mask, so Me let's too. not. Me too. Yeah. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. 
in that movie though yeah i well, i can look at pretty and not have to be terrified while it's happening um <laughs> <laughs> all right i i can totally see that and that definitely makes sense from kind of the physical comedy portion of things um so i took it a different route i went with a with a ancillary character and i went with michelle brock now i have nothing wrong with julie warner i think she's wonderful i don't know if she's ever been in anything else she plays a wonderful small town midwestern girl she's believable as a love interest for tommy you know and i think that's the hardest thing is finding somebody who can pair with with Tommy as somebody who you're not like, there's no way in fucking hell that guy has any chance with her, no matter how rich he is. Um, and so I came up with, I was trying to think of like who was popular and who would have been in their mid twenties in 1995, you know, with like Nicole Kidman, Sandra Bullock, Uma Thurman, Winona Ryder. And none of those would, none of those would apply. And then I kind of thought outside the box and the name I came up with Kimberly Williams, um, who was the daughter and father of the bride and is married to Brad Paisley of all people. Oh, Kimberly Williams Paisley, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she's she's obviously very attractive, but without okay. being like you know, on fire. She looks uh, like a country. She looks like uh a country music singer's wife, yeah. Martina McBride kind of vibes. Yeah. Absolutely. She has that she has very delicate, she's pretty. Um I think she would work in, and this would be right around the time she would have been doing Father of the Bride too. So she would have been about 25. I think that works. Uh, but again, that's not a stretch. It's not like Julie needs to be taken out or anything like that. I just thought that'd be kind of an interesting uh, tweak. So let's take a look at uh, swapping one actor out who would make this movie worse. And I, the first one I thought was the obvious thing is taking out Chris Farley. If you take any, if you put anybody else in here, I know we've mentioned a couple people that might work, but it's just so hard. Um, so I thought of Louis Anderson. Yeah, Louis Anderson oh, was popular in 1995. Yeah. No, I just want to do a terrible Louis Anderson impression. Uh, I thought of Michael Myers and Dana Carvey. Uh, again, they have the SNL connection. They both worked with all these people in Wayne's world. Um, but if it's not their characters, being trapped in a car with those people and it's not working is a fucking nightmare, bro. Like, I would not wish that on anybody. And again, I think both of those guys are, if they're the ones making the characters, the Austin Powers, you know, the shit, I, I will fucking laugh at what is it, Master of Disguise, any of that goofy shit. But if it's somebody else's character, then it doesn't work. I mean, that's just torture. So that's what that's what I was thinking. I think you took this one too seriously. I, I always take everything too seriously. So if I were to swap out, think about this, dude. If you're swapping out one actor to make this movie worse, like I'm swapping it out to make it terrible bro <laughs> give me Sly Stallone instead of Chris Farley oh, Marble Mouth <laughs> put Sylvester Stallone with, what about with, punch? with David Spade imagine him getting his ass kicked on the side of the road in front of the uh, David Spade taking a 2 by 4 to Sly <laughs> <laughs> all I kept thinking about was you think Chris Farley the car, the him bottle doing, car. yeah imagine <laughs> Imagine him doing. Imagine him doing maniac and gasoline. Imagine him doing maniac and getting doused with gasoline by Rob Will. That'd be so good. Or him, him cow tipping. Dude, we didn't even talk about the cow tipping scene. It's still jacked up like cliffhanger. Like, oh my god. Yeah, he still got Rocky, just blood hanging out of his lip the whole time. Jeez, All right. Christ. Yeah, I like your approach better. We might have to change this up moving but it's got to stick. You got to stick with the same time period, right? You can't just God like, if we go, damn, yeah. yeah, if we go like, <laughs> if we go do like, uh, 
put I Steven know. Seagal in anything and that makes it yeah. worse, right? Like uh, you said, Van Damme. So like if we go review like best of the best next or something, you can't be like, you got to take out Jean-Claude Van Damme and put in Jonah Hill. It's like, that doesn't work. <laughs> like that would be hilarious. But like still, it's not the same time period. So, um, all right. Melissa so, McCarthy. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. No, that's who it would be. They, imagine Mel- Melissa McCarthy could have done. They could have done a female version oh. of Tommy Boy. Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone. I can oh, hear shit. I can hear, at I can point, hear our at buddy. Point. Yeah. I can hear our buddy <laughs> Kyle just going, fuck, Melissa McCarthy. I love her. I don't care. All right. So uh, let's get into the next topic here, which is finally we're getting to the end here. Um, so you and I both have sons. Um, and I gave you some unsolicited advice. I had a son first, and so unsolicitedly, I uh, I have two. <laughs> that's a word. What? I have two. Yeah, you have two. Sorry, you've so, you've I doubled me up since then. Okay, uh, but I gave you some unsolicited advice and said, you know, one of my favorite things is sharing my uh, my favorite hobbies and some of the things I liked with my son. And he watches some of my movies and some he probably shouldn't. Um, but I think it's important that we leave some kind of uh, interesting legacy for our kids. Uh, so my question is, would you show this movie to your kids? So bear in mind, I would say they're what, four and two or three and one right now, two and one. You have, when you have kids so close to each other, like how do you know that they even have an age difference? I mean- There's a big, right now, right now it's huge. Right now, it's huge. One of them's talking, running around, shit and pissing all over the place. The other one's just now crawling and shit and pissing just in his diaper. So the shitting and pissing never stops. No, no. but yes, yeah, so, yeah, I would show it to him. I mean, honestly, I'd show it to him now, but he's not gonna understand it like that kind of stuff. Right, and I can't get him to like sit still to watch it unless it's like Paw Patrol or something. But so, um, what age would you show it to them though? Is there a cutoff where you're like he has to be? Yeah, so 70, I, 17 years no, old or no, and I my parents weren't really that strict on like PG thirteen or really even like like rated R stuff. They were like, yeah, I don't know if you should watch this kind of like just depending on the movie, but no, like six to ten, probably okay. somewhere in there, probably closer to. I 10. said ten, yeah, I think that's. But for me, it's not like I'm not going to go out of my way. <laughs> it's got to be like a rainy, like the same way I watch it, like a rainy day or like a like a like a dad slumber party downstairs kind of thing where we just all right. we like sleep on the floor with like, Please all the stop thinking about dad slumber parties. Dad slumber party. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I would make it a whole appointment. I'd put a calendar invite on there make sure that he accepts it. Um, but yeah, but my problem would be, I would have such a hard time not providing the context about like who Chris Farley was uh that for me would be the hard part was you can't just show this movie like oh it's so funny you also have to be like this guy ended up being like a terrible heroin and coke addict and like ruined his life and uh you know so it's like really hard to be and my son does the fat guy fall down humor stuff all the time right now that's like his thing is like i'm falling down the stairs and, and does all this stuff and like I hope by the time he's 25 or 24 or whatever, that that kind of has faded and maybe he doesn't, he can use his wit instead of his body to make people laugh. Um, so yeah, I just think that the context is the, is the most interesting thing. It's like, I don't care that they say shit and uh, holy shnikes and all that goofy stuff. None of that stuff bothers me, you know, some tits, whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think there has to be some kind of context about 
And of course, what Chris Farley meant to me as a kid, um, you know, obviously he didn't have the same impact on you, but for me, he was a fucking hero. And that was like a career path that you could emulate. Um, obviously I didn't, <laughs> didn't quite go down that road, but like, I mean, for me, that was like, he was like the, the guy that I was aware of. And I think is like the first death that I was, I don't want to say personally affected by, but I certainly remember as like a traumatic moment from my, um, uh, from my childhood. So, yeah, man, like as far as like celebrities dying, I don't think anything like, I don't know, like what really hit like Mac Miller. Is that like the first one that like really affected my life? So you're mid thirties, <laughs> mid thirty. get the fuck out of here, man. I'm only 34. It's like I was like thirty when he died, thirty-one, something like All that. Right. Dude, I played played that shit for like a week, bro. Avicii. God, fucking Avicii, get your arm out of the screen, bro. All right, fine. Tattoos aside, um, let's wrap all right, let's wrap this wrap up. up. So, Memory Lane revisited. Did the movie hold up? So, you've watched this before. You watched it the other day. Did it hold up? I don't know how to answer this. I put yes, but I didn't. But you rated it as a C plus to start out with, so you didn't yeah. exactly have the highest so, bar. I, yes, it held up. It held up. Yeah. But so still a C plus. Well, I, if you want a final grade on it. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hedging at here. We went from a seventy nine to an eighty nine. Okay. So we're we're at a B plus now. Um, <laughs> All right. It. I'll give you my thoughts real quick on why, and then we'll get to your grade. Um. It's funnier than I remember, like way funnier than I remember. Um, yeah, sure. It's like really cheesy and like SNL comedy is not my not my thing. Like not a big SNL guy, but it's like super cheesy in some parts. But overall, it's like it's pretty solid. And I miss a good solid, like even if it's not even a buddy duo, just like a good solid comedy, dude. Like we haven't had one of those in forever. Um, and just like I never had the opportunity or never took the opportunity to like appreciate Chris Farley. But this movie alone, I think is enough for me to appreciate him as an actor. Uh, it's not going to make me go back and watch old SNL clips or unless we have to review it. Um, I'm not going to watch black sheep um, I've oh. watched it a couple times, but it's not. So that's a guest co-host. Yeah. We'll need that week. Okay. Yeah. But um yeah, that's what I think. A B plus, way funnier than what I remember it was. And uh, again, I think that's because I'm actually watching the movie now, as opposed to like the TV rated one. Sure. So my answer is obviously unequivocally yes. It, it holds up. And the final get the final grade I gave it was 97 brake pads. <laughs> that's not enough, man. You lose the business. You're like uh... half a million brake pads. <laughs> You're like 499,000 short. Yeah, so I thought it was, uh, that's what I gave it. I gave it 97 break pads, absolutely holds up. There is no question that it is uh, one of the all-time great comedies of uh, comedies of our time. And certainly I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hold up regardless. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. So last thoughts here, uh, go ahead and rate and review on iTunes. If you are listening to this, please send us some good love. We appreciate it. Uh, we are on social, 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 social media. <laughs> uh i am at s-e-t-a-h-5 bragley what are you at at bragley b-r-a-g-g-l-e-y shocking also check him out on the leo podcast if you like iu football none of you whoop. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh.
yeah. So this Purdue fan is dying inside. Uh, so I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Tune in next week. We'll figure out what we're going to do. Oh, T- Coach Tom Allen. Okay. LEO, everybody. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> Bragg, we'll do this again. See ya. Tampa Reviews is a member of Shady Law Network. All rights reserved. It's shady.